Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? I am well, although I'm suffering from squeaky chairitis. Um, so I have my normal chair that I sit on to work and to do podcasts and all sorts of things. Um, all sorts of things. That sounds a bit weird. Anyway, to work. And um, my daughter has her chair at her desk for her schoolwork. Anyway, because we had to self-isolate for a couple of weeks, um, she had been sitting on her chair for so long that she'd got a trapped nerve. I don't know why I'm laughing. Clearly, it was very painful for her. Um, so I said, well, why don't we swap chairs and see if that helps? And I'm pleased to report that that has helped and uh, she's much better. But now I'm in what, what transpires to be the most uncomfortable chair on the planet. Not only that, it squeaks and makes some quite odd noises. So if you hear any strange noises, uh, it's not me, it's the chair. It looks like it's a lovely chair, lovely padded yellow thing. But uh, no, turns out white plastic is much more comfortable. So who knew? Who knew? Anyway. This is a week. This is a week and a half. We've got a lot of books to talk about because there are a lot of books being published this week. Now, I know normally I like to include at least one or more books that have been published for a while so that if it's hard for you to get hold of brand new books, um, you know, hopefully there's something you can get your mitts on. Um, but there are just so many new books this week that I'm afraid we're going to have to put a break on that and just go for all new books. And these are all due out, I believe, on Thursday of this week. So there's there's quite a few and there's some absolutely brilliant ones. So you might want to. Yes. Well, hopefully, hopefully, well, I say hopefully you won't want all of them. I suppose that good if you want all of them. But hopefully there'll be some that you really like the sound of. And we have an amazing amazing author interview as well. So let me talk you through the books and uh, and then we'll take it from there. So first of all, we've got a book called The Island by C.L. Taylor. Um, then we've got Winterkill by Ragnar Jonasson. We've got Gurley by Abigail Dean. Um, we've got There's Only One Danny Garvey by David F. Ross. I feel even though I'm not a massive football fan, I should say, there's only one Danny Garvey. Anyway, there we go. No, I probably shouldn't do that, should I? I should probably just just read the names out. Anyway, uh, there's that one. Then we've got Unsettled Ground by Claire Fuller. We've got The Push 
by Ashley Audrain and also a book called Red Corona, nothing to do with the virus, I hasten to add, by Tim Glister. A, a huge range of books. Um, you've got mysteries, you've got um, thrillers, you've got crime, uh, you've got YA, you've got football, you know, a wide range of books, which is why I was saying I think there'd be at least something uh, that takes your fancy with this. And the first book I want to talk to you about is The Island, written by C.L. Taylor, who she should need no introduction because, um, you know, she's a, one of the best-selling authors that there, there is, very accomplished, and yet she's she's written a YA book, which is a lovely change. I believe this is her second YA, YA one. Um, and what's brilliant is that we're going to be able to talk to her about this book and about her and her writing and all sorts of fantastic things. So let's talk about the, the premise of this book first of all. It's very simple. Six friends, seven days in paradise, a deadly secret. Who will make it off the island alive? Um, I really enjoyed this book and I know people say, well, you're always so nice and positive to authors that you interview. And I say, yes, that's because I only want to interview authors of books that I've absolutely loved. Otherwise, you know, what, what's the point? Um, and I did. It's a great wire book. You sort of romp through it. You're constantly wondering what's going to happen. And it is this premise that you've got these six, uh, six young adults, um, sort of, you know, teenager, late teenager years, I suppose you could say. And they find themselves on this wonderful island, this what, what would seem to be like paradise um, and, and a bit of survival as well. Wouldn't be my thing. I would prefer the one with the spa and, and the many stars by the hotel name and marble on sweets. That, that's always a, that's always a good one for me. So survival on an island where there is no other habitation, maybe not for me, but it's just a wonderful idea. And you just have this feeling that things are, are not right. Uh, and that stays with you throughout. But enough about me waffling on as always. Let's talk to, to Callie, or otherwise known as C.L. Taylor. So C.L. Taylor, thank you so much for joining me. I should say C.L. Taylor, otherwise known as Callie. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me on. Well, the book, the latest book called The Island. Wow, I I absolutely loved it, loved it. And I'm afraid I'm going to come up with such a predictable first question, but I have to ask, I'm afraid, where did you get the idea for this book? Where did that, that concept come from? Okay, so I'll I'll start with a bit of a description about what the island's about, um, so the listeners can sort of picture it. It's about six teenagers who go um, on a holiday. They've always gone on a holiday every year because their parents were in um, the same NCT group. Mm. And this particular year, they go on holiday to Thailand. And it's one of their birthday. And they're really into like sort of survivalism. And mm. so the dad pays for a sort of survival experience on this remote Thai island. And so the kids go off alone with a guide. And then the guy dies and all of the group's worst phobias come true. <laughs> and the idea for the island basically came from my love of reality TV shows <laughs> where people are stuck <laughs> on desert islands. Yeah. Um, I, I just love 
the it's more for me it's about the dynamics of the group yeah. not so much you know can they find the water in time or whatever it's it's the way they turn on each other and the way that sort of little little warring groups appear um and you know and they fight amongst themselves and i thought that that would be really interesting to do with teens mm. i mean i know it's been done before in you know lord of the flies is a famous yeah. example but then i thought you know, how do I up the terror? Um, and I do that by having this whose phobia is coming true next. Because mm -hmm. we've all got phobias. And I think the thought of being somewhere where you can't escape and you know that your phobia is going to come true at some point is quite a terrifying premise. And was it always... A, a sort of a, a YA, a young adult no novel. Clearly, you identified which character, the age of the characters you wanted in it. So, d did that determine from the very beginning that, yeah, this is going to be different to some of your other books and, and be a YA novel? Well, actually, it was um, an idea for potentially for my adult books, my adult psych thrillers. Um, and I had put it forward to uh, my publisher, my adult book publisher. Um, but they said it, it wasn't quite on brand with a, with a C.L. Taylor adult psych thriller mm. because, you know, there was like a little touch of horror in, in the whole phobias coming true thing. And I was really gutted because I, I loved this idea. And, um, and then I had one book left in, in, this, in the two book deal with my young adult publisher. And I thought, you know, I wonder if she'll be up for this idea. It's just one of those ones you really want to write. So I was like, you know, how about a group of teens? And I explained it. And she was like, love it, love it. So I was like, ah. Yeah. So, so that was perfect. And I'd never had the characters rounded out um, in my head at all. It was just the premise. So as soon as I got the green light, that's when I started thinking about the teenage characters. I mean, just to clarify for, for people that may not have come across the term YA before, yes, it's specifically said to be for young adults, but I think it's it's for everybody. OK, it's not for young children, but it, it's for everyone. And and grown-ups shouldn't think, oh, gosh, it's YA, I shouldn't read it. I just think it's a, there's a difference in pace mm -hmm. um, and maybe some of the storylines don't go quite as deep as, a, as an adult novel would. But still, you've, it's, it's got the, all that you would want from from a from a good book yeah absolutely people say to me oh you know I'm I'm 40 or 50 or 60 or you know whatever it is I'm I've left my young adult years behind mm. a long time ago um I can't possibly read this and I think you absolutely can because it's not you know it's sort of mar it's marketed for for younger adults um because of the age of the teens and because the issues in the book are issues that teens feel very strongly about mm. but I think if you can remember your teenage years you can still enjoy the book you know I keep saying to everybody it's a C.L. Taylor novel but the characters are just mm. much younger um, and there's always been you know lots of crossover appeal with young adult novels like The Hunger Games for example loads yeah. of adults read that um and uh and also more recently with other sort of young adult thrillers karen mcmanus's one of us is mm. lying because mm. she sort of based it on the breakfast club um 
those of us who can remember the breakfast club watching the film i mean i know that i thought oh wow i want you know i wonder if she does that justice so i bought a copy and really enjoyed it because a mystery is a mystery yes would you ever go even younger and write a mid-grade book or because there's such a need for good thrillers i think in in mid-grade it doesn't have to have a, a werewolf in it to be a good thriller <laughs> yeah actually my son was um so my son's nine and we read together every night. Um, and most of the books that he likes are uh, the sort of normal childhood, sort of going to school, relatable, mm. Tom Gates, wimpy kid, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, but he did come home from school yesterday and say he was reading a Mallory Blackman. And when he described it, it sounded like there was a real mystery at its heart, something about um, a missing dad and then letters come from the dad that are, couldn't be from the dad and I thought oh wow you know I, I wasn't aware that there is that kind of not crime element for, for, for middle grade but certainly mystery but I don't know um, other than the books that I read with with my son I've not really looked into that area I know it's hard I know a lot of people think oh I read books to my son so you know, I'll write a book for for children. Yeah. Um, I don't think that necessarily qualifies you. But, you know, I would say never say never. But um, a children's author's life is uh, quite full on. Lots and lots of school visits. Um, and, yeah, you know, yeah. I can barely manage my life as it is at the moment yeah. without adding more to it. Yes. No, we don't want to take you away from <laughs> from writing. So going back to the island, I mean, one thing that I that I loved about it was that it, it constantly kept me guessing. I just didn't know how it was going to go. It, the, there was none of the, oh, well, you know, I worked it out from the beginning. N not at all. Did you enjoy that? Did you, do you enjoy keeping the reader on their toes? Yeah. I, I love keeping the reader on their toes. Um, and it actually, it does give me sleepless nights sometimes when I think, you know, this would be a great twist. Uh, how can I how can I sort of cover up um, the tracks, so to speak? So so something comes as, as a surprise. Um, and I think readers have, you know, they have so many books to choose from and you can often spot a certain twist or the solution mm. to a memory, uh, a mystery that it does keep writers on their toes to write something that isn't easily guessable or something that does come as a surprise, but without treading ground that's been done a lot before. Mm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's like sort of giving myself a bit of a puzzle to do and to try and stay one step ahead of the reader. But when I do fox a reader, when somebody messages me and says, oh, you know, I didn't see that coming, mm -hmm. then uh, then I feel like I've done my job properly. Oh, gosh, certainly did with the island. Gosh, yes. And yeah. um, I was just wondering, though, if because for me, when I was reading the book, I just had to sit there and read it. Nothing was going to get in the way. I just needed to know. Once I'd started, I was fully involved. Um, and I wonder, as a writer, if someone says, gosh, it was you know so good. I, I read it in a couple of hours, which is which is worse in a way, because you put all your life and hard work into it. And yet you might have someone say, well, it took me a year to read. Not that they would for the island, but do you know what I mean? In general, yeah. as, a, as an author, where, where do you sit it with that, with that dilemma? <laughs> uh, 
my attitude to this has changed over the years. At the beginning, um, I was a bit sort of, oh, God, you know, it, it, it took me five <laughs> months to write the first draft and then you know, another four months or whatever it was to edit it and do the copy edits and all that sort of thing. And you and you read it in a few hours and now you're asking where the next one is, you know, oh, God, my books are so disposable. Uh, but now I see it as a massive compliment mm. because for someone who hasn't read, and I do get a lot of these um, emails which mean the world, people who haven't read for years or people who've struggled to get into a book and stay with a book and finish a book will message me and say, I hadn't read a book in years or I didn't think I liked reading. And I picked up one of your books and I couldn't put it down. For me, that's like the ultimate compliment. And even for, you know, regular readers who do love books and read a lot to pick up one of my books and read it in one sitting or read it quickly means that I reeled them in. I kept them interested. The mystery was strong enough. The characters were likable or interesting enough for them to stay in the story. And they wanted to find out what was going to happen. And that means that I did my job. Um, I mean, personally, I probably start and reject more books than I actually finish because I've got a really bad attention span and when it comes to reading and it's got even worse over lockdown. So I think because I have quite a bad attention span when I'm writing a book, I try and keep it interesting all the time. I try and keep it pacey all the time. I cut the slow bits and, and the descriptive bits and anything that just, if I start to get bored when I'm writing, I think the reader will get bored when they're reading. So I work very hard to make the book really pacey and action-filled, particularly for young adult. Um, so if the, if the reader then says, yeah, read it in a day, then I'm like, brilliant. That's what I wanted you to do. And with the, the sort of element of horror, I mean, crikey, I get scared reading James and the Giant Peach, so I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not the best one to ask. But I, it, it, it was manageable. You know, I, it didn't give me sleepless nights. Yeah. Yes, it kept me turning the pages and, and worrying for some of the characters, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the stuff of nightmares. No. Uh, and it, in a way, it was, it was just a delight to, to read because it, it's just such a good story. Was it a delight to write compared to some of the other books or, or was it just a similar feeling? Yeah, I love writing the young adult books. Um, I find them really freeing. I don't know if it's because the characters are so different from my adult characters and they don't have that weight of responsibility that the women in particular in my books have. Um, and so it's, it's just freeing to take this young person and set them out on an adventure and to see the world through their eyes and remember how I saw the world back then. You know, that's not to say there isn't angst. Um, mm. Of course, you know, anybody who's got a teenager knows that there's loads of angst in the teenage years. But the thing that you were saying earlier about, you know, the book's don't necessarily go to the depth that, that an adult book might go to. That's also quite freeing because mm. there's not so much introspection and analyzing in, um, in a young adult book. You, you've got to keep that pace moving forward. You've got to keep the reader turning the pages. That doesn't mean that you don't explore the inner feelings, 
of the characters, mm. but you do it in a slightly different way than, than you would with an adult book. Also, they're much shorter. They're um, 70,000 words compared to the 100,000 words of my adult books. Um, so they're quicker to write. Yeah. And the, the feeling of just the book gathering pace as you write, yeah. you know, is, is, is great. Did you ever change how it was going to end or was that set in your mind from, from the beginning? This is a tricky question to answer because I wrote it actually. So it's coming out in January 2021 and I wrote it in November 2018. And oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> What's happened since then? Let's not. I know. I know. And I did the edits in 2019 and then I did the line edits and copy edits this year. So it's unusually yes. spread out over a lot, a lot of years. Um, I wrote a big chunk of it during NaNoWriMo, National uh, Novel yeah, Writing Month, yeah. um, in November 2018. So even though I kind of knew where it was going, because um, I always plot, there was quite a sort of word splurge, writing 50,000 yeah. words yeah. in a month. Um, and I did do edits with my editor. We slightly changed the structure around. I don't think I changed the ending but we did in the edits play with the structure a little bit um I can't say more than that no okay no stuff away yeah. do you think you could have written the island as your first book or does it sort of stand on the shoulders of the other books that you that you've written is your writing always evolving I suppose is the question my um my writing career is as embraced quite a few genres so far um so I started writing rom-coms romantic comedies um, for adults. Uh, I wrote two of those. And then obviously I wrote, how many crime books? Four crime books before I wrote the first young adult book, The Treatment, then a few more crime books for adults, and then this book and then back to crime. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it had been my first book. I think my career would have been quite different mm -hmm. because the young adult market is much smaller than the adult market and it's it's harder to get supermarket slots um and to get that kind of retail support and to get that word of mouth really going i mean obviously you know we, we mentioned the hunger games there were a few breakthrough young adult books the hate you give um mm. was a big hit as well um and uh, and a few more over recent years but it's quite rare for that book just kind of hit the adult market as well and and sort of go massive and give the uh, author the opportunity of a career. Um, and I would have had to do lots of school visits if if <laughs> I'd started with the young adult. Um, so I think I was I was lucky to be in a position that I could write them alongside my adult books. And you've got you've published quite a few books now, an extensive range of books. Um, do you think, and normally I ask people about how they got published and, and their story, but actually, in some ways, it must be quite hard to stay published, you know, to, to keep getting the books published and sold when there's always lots of new authors coming in. Is that something that, that's talked about in the writing community? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we always talk about the lure of the debut, mm. you know, that the, the I mean, maybe not this year, but in normal years, 
um, the, the debuts are given a lot of marketing spend, a lot of push. They're really sold to journalists and reviewers and retailers because um, there's something a bit sparkly about a name you've never heard before, a voice in a book that you've never heard. Um, so in order to actually be a career author and, and continue to do what you do, you need to have solid sales. Mm. So myself and, you know, my, my contemporaries, we are very aware of how much did this book sell? You know, mm. is, it, are my book sales sort of um, going along some kind of continuum slightly upwards or are they just level or are they going down mm. when they go down you start to worry um, if your books go into all the supermarkets and, and the shops and they don't sell very well the next year when you have a new book out and the sales team go in some of those supermarkets or those shops might say no you know mm. it, the last one didn't sell very well and that becomes very tricky for an author because you can't get the sales figures if the books aren't in the shops. So when you see authors stressing on social media because, oh, it's publication day, oh, they, they are actually scared because a lot rests on it. And your next contract, the amount of money you get for your advance will be based on the sales of your previous two books. So you can also, you can see your advance go down and down if the books don't sell. So. Yeah, we're all we all live in a state of constant fear, you know, <laughs> and uh, I'm lucky that I do have good retail support for my books and, and I do have very healthy sales. Um, but I have known many authors whose careers have faltered um, and then they have to, you know, come back writing in a different genre or yeah. writing under a pseudonym. Um, and I mean, I've done it myself already with my romantic comedies. They didn't sell enough. I mean, they sold reasonably, but they didn't sell enough. And so I wasn't given a second contract. And in fact, um, a lot of romantic comedy authors were let go from the same publishing house at the same time as me, um, which at the time it felt like the end of my career. Mm. Uh, I just thought, you know, that's it. I've had, I've had two books published, two books on the shelves and, and, and now it's over. Um, I hadn't given up the day job, um, which is probably a good bit of advice to any new author. Don't mm. give up the day job. I didn't give up the day job until I think I'd written four books altogether. Um, and I had a contract for three books. So I knew I'd get paid reasonably for the next three years. So then I gave up the, the, the day job. But um, but I wouldn't want to do anything else. I'm not moaning. I'm just saying that it can oh, be. But it's so interesting, and particularly at those awful times, uh, uh, you know, when you, you don't have another contract and you think this is, this is it, this is the end of the world. Actually, if you'd even been able to peek at what lay ahead for you, it, you know, you'd have you'd felt fine about it. But you have to go through that to 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 come out to the to the golden times and thank goodness thank goodness you did my last question is um and again it's a, a typical one but what else will we see coming out in 2021 i believe yeah another book yeah so very unusually um i'll have two books out in 2021 so there's the island which is out on the 21st of january 
And then on the 29th of April, my next psychological thriller for adults is called Her Last Holiday. And it's about a woman called Jenna goes on a wellness retreat in Gozo and disappears. And a man called Tom Wade, the self-help guru from that retreat, ends up going to prison for the deaths of two people. But he never lets on what happened to Jenna. Two years later, he comes out of prison and Jenna's sister, Fran, signs up to one of his retreats, this time in Wales, to try and find out what happened to her sister. But someone's determined that she never finds out. Oh, my goodness. I want to read that immediately. <laughs> oh, that, that just sounds right. OK, Let, let's fast forward time, people. We all need to get that book immediately. Well, I suppose, as my mother always said, it'll be worth the wait. So, uh, yes, <laughs> we'll wait to see that. Well, um, Callie, C.L. Taylor, thank you so much. It's just been wonderful to talk to you and can't wait to hear more people talking and raving about the island. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, wasn't that great? As I say, I really enjoyed the book. I don't think it's got such adult themes that um, if you've got a sort of a younger, um, young adult child, you know, someone in their early teens or even someone who is sort of 12, maybe who's read a lot of books. I, th I don't think that they would be um, unsettled by this one. I, I don't know. I don't think that. Um, I think it's got a very wide audience, but equally, even a 12 year old, I know, you know, you could have a 12 year old that, that reads everything, reads Hunger Games, thoroughly enjoyed, enjoys it. And you could have another 12 year old who gets scared at, at a leaf flying by a window. So it is about knowing your child and making sure they're OK with it. Um, but I think it's a book that a lot of people would enjoy. So get the book yourself first and, and then I suppose make your own decision. But I really enjoyed it. And it's made me want to go and read her other YA book as well, which I have already written the name down. But for some reason, it's not in front of me. Ah, The Treatment. There we go. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to reading that one as well, because uh, not only can she write thrillers for adults, she can also write thrillers for young adults. Um, so that's very good. So that's The Island by C.L. Taylor. So next we've got Winterkill by Ragnar Johansson. Johansson. Let's get it right, Philippa. Um, and the premise of this is that it's set at Easter. You've got the snow falling. Um, it's set in Iceland, I should say. And it's a translated fiction. Um, it's part of a series, but this is the first time I have read from this author. And uh, before I go into the details, I should just say this. I really enjoyed this book as well. It's a it's a great one. It's quite short um, and it's it's a good mystery. I will definitely be wanting to read more from this author. So you've got the, the Easter weekend approaching three days before Easter. There's um, a body of a 19 year old uh, local girl found. She's fallen to her death from a balcony on a house um, and people are just not sure what's gone on. There's a, a strange entry in her diary and then there's an old man in a local nursing home who writes she was murdered 
again and again on the wall of his room. So there are these suggestions that maybe something is a little bit more sinister. Maybe it's not quite as, as it would first appear. Um, and then you've got the this blizzard coming in and it cuts the power and access to the region. And so the police inspector must piece together all these different elements of the puzzle uh, to reveal the grand whodunit. And it is a, it is a really good one. Um, I, I mean, I would really commend translated fiction. There's, I just think it's uh, really good. Um, I like the feeling of it, the location. I, I just thought it was a great book. Definitely be reading more um, of that author. Absolutely extraordinary. Very good. And talking of really good books, extraordinary books. Well, if you haven't heard about a book called Gurley, then where have you been? Because there's been a lot of attention given to this and, and it's certainly worth it. Uh, let, let me read you the premise of the book. Lex Gracie doesn't want to think about her family. She doesn't want to think about growing up in her parents' house of horrors. And she doesn't want to think about her identity as Girl A, the girl who escaped. When her mother dies in prison and leaves Lex and her siblings the family home, she can't run from her past any longer. Together with her sister Evie, Lex intends to turn the house of horrors into a force for good. But first she must come to terms with her six siblings and with the childhood they shared. Yeah, as you might guess from that introduction, it's not um, it's not an uplifting rom-com uh, by any means. It is quite harrowing, not just in what it tells you, but in what it allows your imagination to tell you. Um, but you know me, I'm not good with very horrible things and I was OK with this. You know, I felt uncomfortable, but I still enjoyed reading the book and um, I just thought it was very different. It's good to have some sort of fresh writing coming on and possibly something that um, picks up from what we've read about in, in the press, in the newspapers over the last few years. And, you know, you might wonder, well, what, how, how did a family get to be like that? What, what's the story? Um, and this is certainly one interpretation. So I thought it was great. Um, you know, if you're looking to get some of the books published this week, then Gurley um, certainly needs to be on, on that list, I would suggest. Um, I haven't heard the audiobook, but I can imagine it's good. But again, with an audiobook, as I find, you can't sort of fast forward through the uncomfortable bits. They, they take just as long as the others. So um, I think I'm glad I read this book rather than listened to it. Uh, but it's very good. And um, clearly, I'm sorry, I'm closing the book in, in, in front of the microphone. But Abigail Dean, the author, bravo. Um, an excellent, thoughtful, um, resisting book, I'd say. Resisting as in it, it, the whole subject is, is such a, a difficult one. And it just gives you another angle, another view on a situation that you might have only heard about in, in the press before. So there we go. That's Gurley. And it definitely gets an A from me if I was its English teacher. Yeah, do you see that link there? There we go. Anyway, the next one is There's Only One Danny Garvey. I've already sort of tried to sing that to a football tune today and, and I don't think I'm going to repeat that for your sake. By, and this book is by David F. Ross. Um, I think if you've got someone 
in your family who like who wants something different, a story with with a heart, with a punch. Um, and it's very much about people. So and yes, it's about football as well. So, yes, you've got a lot of language there, um, but it's language that isn't used in in a nasty way. It, it's um, sort of swear words that are used as part of the language of that uh, family and the location where they're in and their story. Um, so it's very much the situational, I, I thought, and it, it actually added to it. Anyway, let's read you the blurb. Danny Garvey was a 16-year-old footballing prodigy. 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 <laughs> now, I hope for my sake that I cut that out, but if I listen to it and it makes me laugh, I'm, I imagine I'm going to keep it in, and that's quite worrying. In my defence, um, I am suffering from COVID brain, even though I've not had COVID yet. Um, and uh, so I apologise for that. Let's just hope I've cut that out so I, I sound remarkably intelligent. Anyway, back to the story and the uh, prodigy. Uh, professional clubs clamoured to sign him and a glittering future beckoned. And yet his early promise remained unfulfilled. And Danny is back home in the tiny village of Barshaw to manage the struggling junior team he once played for. What's more, he's hiding a secret about a tragic night 13 years earlier that changed the course of several lives. There's only one Danny Garvey, they once chanted. And that's the problem. A story of irrational hopes and fevered dreams, of unstoppable passion and unflinching commitment in the face of defeat. There's only one Danny Garvey is, above all, an unforgettable tale about finding hope and redemption in the most unexpected of places. So if, you, if you've got a football fan, uh, in the family, if uh, not a child, an adult, I mean, um, if you've got someone who doesn't perhaps like reading that much and you're trying to find something different to lure them in, I think they would enjoy this because, yes, you've got the football, but there's so much more to it than that. And this sort of mystery of, of what happened some time ago and how it's affected him and just his role and how he values himself. Um, yeah, I th thought it was a, it was a good book. Um, if you're not in into sort of the the locality of a, of a of a book, so you know from reading the first few pages, you get a real feel for the location, even just through the conversation that people are having. If that's not your thing, um, or, or if you don't like swear words and you don't want anything that mentions football, then okay, this book isn't for you. But I think there are a lot of people who would enjoy it and also enjoy it because it represents something different to sort of mainstream fiction at the moment. So that's There's Only One Danny Garvey by David F. Ross. Now we come on to another different book. This is called Unsettled Ground by Claire Fuller. Uh, and I certainly felt unsettled reading it. Um, anyway, let, let's read you the blurb. Oh, and I say that in a good way. Sorry, I don't mean I felt unsettled and uh, just thought, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to read this. It, it's a good book. Twins, Jeannie and Julius, have always been different from other people. At 51 years old, they still live with their mother, Dot, in rural isolation and poverty. Inside the walls of their old cottage, they make music, and in the garden, they grow and sometimes kill everything they need for sustenance. But when Dot dies suddenly, threats to their livelihood start raining down. Jeannie and Julius would do anything to preserve their small sanctuary against the perils of the outside world, even as their mother's secrets begin to unravel, putting everything they thought they knew about their lives at stake. Um, so you've got elements of this book, which is a bit like stick of the dump. 
you've got elements which where you just know that that the situation is is awful and you think it's not going to get any better um so there's a lot which as a reader you're led to draw your own conclusions on and, and to judge a situation um, and it the whole time it feels very sort of hemmed in there's this cottage the the twins and, and it just feels very um, claustrophobic almost in in that place um but it's also a, a book not just about negatives there are positives in there and it's a it's a great book um it's one i know my mother's going to enjoy a lot so i can't wait to tell her a, a, about this book and um I think it's also one maybe for book clubs as well, because there are different elements to talk about and because it's almost multi-genre based, you, you know, it would appeal to lots of different people. So if you're part of a book club and you're unsure what book to do, then this might be one because it, it's got some good talking points. And I think there would be a, a mix of opinions on the actions of characters in certain circumstances. I'm not going to say anything, but it, it could be a good discussion one. So that's Unsettled Ground by Claire Fuller. Um, really enjoyed that one. Now here, don't worry, we're, we've only got two books left. You've done really well hanging in so far. We're nearly there. Well done. Um, so the next book is called The Push by Ashley Audrain. And this has had a lot of publicity as well. Um, so I was really keen to, to read the book. Family History. This is the blurb. Family history written in our genes is handed down the generations from mother to daughter, the good and the bad. We cannot choose what we inherit. We cannot decide what we are. Sometimes we get to be angels and sometimes monsters. Um, it's an interesting book. I think there's a, a very good cover on it. Um, you've got this sort of mirror image as if uh, you've got some ink on a paper and folded it and then opened it again. And you've got that, that mirror image. And I think that reflects itself throughout the book. Um, it's not an easy one to read. So don't get it thinking, oh, if I sit down with this and a, and a cup of tea, um, I'll be able to focus on this, whatever, whatever's going around me in the world. Um, so it is a book that requires some dedication. Um, and I think there are a lot of people going to be very compelled by the story. As I say, I found it a, a little hard to sort of get into um, because it is so different from some others. Um, but it's very much one that people will be talking about and so if you like uh, reading books and keeping up to date with all that's happen happening in the book world then that could be one for you so that's the push by ashley audrain and now we come on to the last book uh, and this is called red corona by tim glister essentially it's a spy book and i know i don't really like spy books but i really like this one anyway here's the blurb it's 1961 and the white heat of the space race is making the Cold War even colder. The age of global surveillance dawns. Secret agent Richard Knox has been hung out to dry by someone in MI5 and he needs to find the traitor in their midst. Meanwhile, in Russia, top Soviet scientist Irina Valera discovers the secret to sending messages through space, a technology that could change the world. But an accident forces her to flee. Desperate for a way back into MI5, Knox makes an unlikely ally in Abby Bennett, one of the CIA's only female recruits, while Valera's technology in the hands of the KGB could be catastrophic. All three have something to prove. As I say, 
I enjoyed this one. It wasn't so um, difficult to visualise. So straight away, I was into the book and into the characters. I could see what was happening. I liked the sort of the thriller element. It's not just purely spies. There's thriller elements. There's there's crime. There's all sorts. Um, yeah, very very good. I thought it was uh, it was a great read. Um, and I think if you like, if you're just a, a spy fiction fan, then you're going to love this. And even if spy fiction isn't normally your thing, then I think you might find this interesting as well. Um, so, yes, very good. Red Krona by Tim Glister. Look, if you've if you've lasted all this time, then I can only applaud you because we we have done so many books. How many books have we done? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven books. No wonder I've been busy with my reading. But how lucky am I? Because what a selection of, of books. So let's just go through them again. So, you know, briefly um, the book name again and, and what I thought. So The Island by C.L. Taylor. Oh, my goodness. That's a great book. A great YA book. Uh, you've got Winterkill by Ragnar Jonasson. Um, that was a really good crime book. I'm going to be following him from now on. We've got The Incredible Girl A by Abigail Dean. Um, that was just mesmerising, unforgettable. We got the uh, There's Only One Danny Garvey by David F. Ross. Uh, really good if you're looking for something different and you're OK with swear words. And football. <laughs> I would imagine most people are, but yeah, never mind. Just in case you've had a bad football experience, I have to mention it. Um, sorry, then. Sorry for the noise there. Then we've got Unsettled Ground by Claire Fuller. Really like that one. Very different. Um, uh, we did a book recently, The Illustrated Child by Polly Osborne. It It isn't like that at all. But if you enjoyed that, then I think you would enjoy um, Unsettled Ground. It, it's a similar sort of feeling, but it's not. Anyway, there we go. That's clear, isn't it? <laughs> uh, then we've got The Push by Ashley Audrain. And we've got Red Corona by Tim Glister. Um, one of the few spy books that I've really enjoyed. So there we go. I think I'd better get off because um, I'm now behind on my reading for next week. And I've got a very good author to talk to you about. You know I'm going to say that, don't you? Um, so look after yourselves and I'll speak to you very soon. Take care now. Bye bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.